It's time for the big show with Andy Gallo and Country Jim. Hello, everybody. I'm Andy Gallo. And I'm Country Jim. Episode number two with uh, Dennis Digby. Uh, just kind of fill us in a little bit more about what it was like touring with uh, Loretta Lynn. Well, it was uh, it was great. It was absolutely great. It was. Uh, what was the uh, first show you did with her? Uh, first show that I remember doing with her, we started out and uh, we were, we were working our way. We went and worked Vegas. I mean, uh, Reno worked Harris Club in Reno, which we wound up we did twice a year. We did Harris two weeks at a time, twice a year, and did Lake Tahoe Harris a week, twice a year. We used like a thirty-two piece orchestra. Um, along with our group, we had a stage full of people. Same people that week before that they'd worked with Tony Bennett. Same guys, same people. And uh, our conductor we had was a guy named Bruce Frazier, and uh, he had been with Loretta for several years. At that time, wound up staying a total of fifteen or sixteen years. But and Bruce at that time was. Uh, a lot of your TV shows you see on on television, like Law and Order, big the big shows and stuff. Uh, uh, the music director for all those shows was a guy named Mike Post. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, Bruce was Mike Post's right hand man at that time. So a lot of the stuff you hear for the soundtracks of these TV shows, Bruce Frazier actually did it. Mm-hmm. But he worked for Mike. Right. But so that he was our conductor. Right. So. So what um, year? What year was it that you started? This with would have Loretta? been eighty-one. Eighty-one, and uh, and that was right off of Coal Miner's Daughter and uh, the the big thing there. The, the Coal Miner's the, Daughter was the movie few years prior to that. Yep. yep. And uh, okay, uh, it, it was. Uh, yeah, I guess that was in seventy-nine or eighty somewhere along. Somewhere around along in there, because yeah, okay. that okay. that was yeah. I hadn't gone to work with her at that time, but um, uh, uh, and you know wound up through that type of job working uh different type jobs that i had worked for through the years with with the other different artists uh because of her popularity and stuff like that and then of course the movie changed everything and then uh we did a lot of the uh theaters in the round up the east coast uh, up all the way up into uh, uh, the New England states and stuff like that, and uh, but we would be following people, even like even when we do uh, Vegas and Tahoe and Reno and places like that. And it was traditional to be there, the guests the night before leaving, and the artists coming in, be there, and and uh, I, I, I that we worked a couple of places. We were actually heading to Los Angeles to do the Tonight Show, Johnny Carson. And we'd worked, I think, a Louisiana date or something. And then we went to uh, uh, Reno. And the one of the first the guys that I had met when I went with her was on that tour. And we were rehearsing with the orchestra the the day, the evening, the the morning before we opened and uh, we had taken a break and I'm sitting there and I turn around and guy walked by me and I had to take a 
second glance, I thought, now, wait a minute. That what? What? <laughs> it was Harry Anderson who had night court at oh, that yeah. time, which yeah. we mm-hmm. watched all the time. And mm-hmm. he was opening for us. Mm-hmm. So, wow. This was a steady pattern from then on. Um, uh, same thing with uh, uh, Billy Crystal open for us uh, several times a week, two mm-hmm. weeks at a time. Mm-hmm. So you get to know these people. Bill Medley mm-hmm. would open for, open for us quite a bit. Right, yeah. Well, you, uh, you had mentioned uh, one time to me that uh, – when you were with the Osbournes, that y'all had played the White House, that might have been like in the Nixon era or something. Oh, maybe? Nixon era, yeah, Nixon yeah. era on the way out. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was some, well, well, that was some crazy stuff, man. Yeah, well, that'd be a great story too sometime. But <laughs> oh but, yeah, um, Loretta, did she ever play the White House? Or what are some kind of big, big things that she played and then i've got another question about it but go ahead uh well barbara bush she was very close to the bushes and uh, barbara and her were very very close and barbara was ahead of the national literacy foundation Mm -hmm. so she put loretta as a spokesperson for the national literacy foundation so we did a lot of stuff politically and uh, uh for the bushes and uh, a, 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 a lot of press things, dinners, um, and you know they would. They, you would meet uh, everybody from Plaso Domingo would be there to uh, Peter Jennings to just mm. about you name it. Um, broadcasters, people did the nightly news just. Mm. It was just a you know a, a amalgamation of all kinds of people from all walks mm-hmm. of life, and we would do that type of thing pretty steady, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, not just in D.C. but at other places. I remember doing one in Dallas one time, and uh, uh, very very hectic mm-hmm. situation. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of security and th- th- things. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, you know how that goes working doing something like that so mm-hmm. yeah uh, as the as the years rolled on in that 20 year thing mm-hmm. uh was it evolving changing was she beginning to have health problems uh but it was probably probably the first 10 years or so were were uh, pretty good right as far as oh everything. yeah sure only health problems that she had while I was there, she would have some throat problems once in a while. Had a little problem with once in a while, some stomach issues once in a while, but nothing, nothing major. Yeah. You know, it was uh, stuff that everybody has, and but it wasn't anything, you know, mind-boggling. It was just irritant more than anything. But these throat problems was sometimes it'd be a major issue because you know when you work in those casinos i I remember the first one we worked when we did harris because i had wrote the i did all the introductions and stuff like that and brought her on and off on stage that kind of thing and did all the comedy things that we did and we had a lot of interaction on stage her Mm -hmm. and i that i'd wrote put together and you know had to be kind of quick stuff you know Mm because people 
they came to hear her sing, and they don't want to hear a bunch of gabbing going on. <laughs> right, right. But she wanted it because she needed a rest. Right. She needed a little break once right. in a while. Yep. Right. And I never did know when she wanted to do that. Mm-hmm. I just left it up to her and just went with the flow. And sometimes she just leaned over and she said, just do something. <laughs> and... You know, it was no break. Nobody knew what was right, going on. Right, but, yeah. um, <clears throat> okay, I want to. Say, I got another little thing I want you to talk about. Uh, I've I've been a band leader for a lot of years, uh-huh. and being just a local yokel, as we say, uh, if we're playing three to four hours, mm-hmm. I'm there with the first song, and I'm there with the last song, mm-hmm. and I'm there with every song in the middle. Mm-hmm. But people who were uh, way above me, like her, and everybody actually that you, well, I, I, I guess Osborne Brothers probably, but uh, for a long time, for a long time, there's been uh, typically a ninety-minute contract when the when the artist books a show, mm-hmm. uh, downtown Civic Center in right. Fort Worth or whatever, you've got a ninety-minute contract. Mm-hmm. Well. People like Loretta, they didn't necessarily be there singing the first song and the last song and every song in the in between. Uh-huh. Typically, the band right. mm-hmm. would do a set mm-hmm. and uh, and bring her out. Right. Uh, so what I'm picking up with is uh, that you did that. You brought her on, mm-hmm. but who did the songs from the first song until she came out? Well, sometimes I would. Um, sometimes it would depend on what was happening, how long we were doing it. If we were by ourselves, we might have an opening act. It could be yeah. um, a comedian. Uh, Bill Ingball used to open for us some on the road, like fairs and stuff mm-hmm. like that, mm-hmm. and uh, different people. Um, but did y'all have like a ninety-minute contract typically? Uh, 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 maybe we'd work that long. Usually, it would be about an hour and fifteen, hour and twenty yeah. minutes. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, uh, see, I knew about you as a bass man, as a side man, but uh, the more that I, I talked to you through the years, the more I find out about that you did really quite a bit of singing. Um, sometimes, yeah. yeah. Now we had uh, a full background singing a group. Two girls and two guys, yeah, and they were great singers, yeah. And uh, sometimes they would open. Usually, they, if I didn't open, if her son was with us, Ernest Ray, he would he would do open some with us. That wasn't that way all the time. It would just depend mm-hmm. on yeah whether he came or not. Well, and, now, talk about her kids some about that because yeah. she had. Yeah. Two or three or four kids that sang, that were entertainers also, right? Sure. Uh, she had a set of twins, Patsy and Peggy, and they traveled with us some off and on. Uh, Sissy, which is another daughter, she'd come with us once in a while. Uh, she traveled with us maybe for a couple of years. and uh, She would help with opening? Yes. She would, she would do some stuff up front and... Uh, you know, it would just depend on the issue because this this wasn't a constant, ongoing thing. It would be 
they might do this for a year, might do it six months, and then it'd change, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. And then, so we had several different platforms we would use, you know. Uh, but her basic song list and stuff, you know, yeah. hardly varied that much. She had to do all her hits. With that many number ones, it got to a point we had to start doing medleys. We had to start putting two or three of them together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just do a verse and a chorus because basically, you know, she she wanted to do other stuff. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot of times we would she would come out and she would open with songs that wasn't hers. You know, somebody else's. You know, yeah. let your love flow. You know, with the Bellamy, Bellamy Brothers, Brothers. Yeah, yeah, something like yeah, that. She yeah. liked the song, and that's what we. You know, something yeah. up and and uh, she. Well, say, now did y'all rehearse that in advance or? You didn't. You didn't have to do any of that on the fly, did you? Oh no, no, no! It was all worked out, and uh, but uh, now with her, sometimes with the throat trouble, that would usually only affect her when we were doing uh, Reno or Tahoe or Vegas, somewhere sit down where you do a dinner show and a cocktail show. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Every night after night, and and uh, we never did know, and. The, the classic thing, unless you're there and witness this, it'd be hard to, to get to the gist of the, how this went down, but she, would, she wouldn't tell anybody. She would just decide for herself if she had her problems. Nobody knew, you know, and or sometimes they'd let us know, sometimes they wouldn't. But she would call. She, when I'd introduce her, she might not decide to... From the time I've introduced her to she got in front, she'd pass the band leader, and she'd say, everything down a half a step. Just that quick. Wow. Everything down a half step. Well, if you're using a 30-piece orchestra, you can't do that. Yeah. They're reading every note they're playing. Yeah. Right. Right. They don't play by ear. Right. If we have to read something, we got charts in front of us, but we knew everything. We didn't mm-hmm. have to do that, and we had our own right. number system, and right. unless it was something new, but we didn't have to do that. But them guys, yeah. Bruce Frazier would have to just give the signal, everybody lay out. No orchestra. Right. Can't ju- play it. And just the band play. And yeah. we just have to do it because everything, they can't transpose everything mm-hmm. like that. Right. Every time she did that, it would cost her money mm-hmm. because if she's going to do that the next show, if this happened at the dinner show, if she wanted an orchestra, Bruce Frazier would have to go up to his room and take sheet music and write every single thing. Mm-hmm. That cost five grand for her to do that. Right. And that happened a lot. <laughs> <laughs> and But sometimes it would happen, you know, during the day and – she might send word to him, but that's the way it was. I mean, you'd hear there was somebody taped the show one time where that happened, and and she was on the way to the center stage to start, and and uh, the band leader would turn around and, and tell Bruce, tell the conductor, everybody, everything down a half step, and you hear music stands falling and sheets be paper being thrown about <laughs> and people talking, saying, what, what? Right. First few times this happened because it, you know that 
nobody did ever did anything like that, you know. So it was. And if you're a if you're a bass player, and all of a sudden you've got to go from G to F sharp, that that wasn't all that Oh, that easy. changes everything. Yeah, you 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 got to know your neck, or you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, you're in deep trouble. So any uh, yeah. any f- funny stories, sad stories, uh, anybody. Uh, Anybody ever? I would say what's what's the most the, on on the road with Loretta. What is one of the most maybe the funniest story or just just the weirdest thing that ever happened uh, working with uh, Loretta on the road? Well, you know, I, there's so many going through my head. A lot of them, some of them I can tell, some of them probably I shouldn't tell. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> they probably still like them anyway, but you know. Um, uh, there was all time, you know, involved, seen a lot of car wrecks, people trying to, you know, see the name on the bus and mm-hmm. all kind of weird things started happening. I had a car run off the road that was was way up in Canada in the middle of nowhere. And there was a car coming down, coming down the road. I, I don't know exactly how what happened, but the car had hit a hole in front of us and just shot off the highway into a lagoon the how card flipped upside down with the top <laughs> the bottom on the it changed positions mm. and it landed in the water upside down well we didn't know how many people was in this car but you know we had to hit the deck running and um uh, it was uh, and that's from seeing that it was a, a loretta lens bus yeah wow yeah chaos just all of a sudden just came about stuff like that would wow. happen you know and it, it was wound up being you know one elderly man and his wife and and uh we got them able to get them out had to flip the car over and um you know people were stopping and had to literally flip the car over and, and weird stuff like a lot of things like that. Of course, if you do a hundred thousand miles a year and up and down the road, you're going to see things. It's, it's just a did matter you have of time. A, did yeah. you have breakdowns and wrecks and? Uh, we didn't have any wrecks. I don't remember any breakdowns. Uh, thank goodness, no Never, wrecks that did, I can remember. Didn't miss uh, a show or? Uh, no, didn't. Don't remember missing a show. Uh, anything like that. I mean, they, that, now there was a lot of crazy stuff that happened, you know, when we'd go overseas because we did a lot of work for the military and uh, had to get out of Dodge a couple of times pretty quick, four o'clock in the morning under darkness and that kind of deal. Got a question for you. Was, sure. do, was Doolittle still uh, around? Was he still doing uh, her managing then or, or uh, she passed yeah, it off to somebody uh, else? Dude, he really didn't do any managing. He okay. just sometimes he would come along. I got you. Just, okay. To, you know, to be a companion to her and stuff. And, uh, of course, when we worked for the military, we would fly commercial to, uh, uh, like, one of the tours we did. And we would usually take a lot of these. It might be around Christmas. We'd take a sound crew from TNN there in Nashville. And they'd be journalists and writers along. We'd have 60 people with mm-hmm. us. Now, and, when she got so big, did she still ride the bus with y'all? Or oh yeah, she hated to fly. Yeah, yeah, she rode with us. Now, when my I started taking Amber with me, some she had a granddaughter about the same age as Amber. So when she, Jenny wanted to come along, and Amber and they were big buddies, she would fly and let them have her the stateroom in the back of the oh. coal miner bus, and it was yeah, yeah. Good times good. for them. And she was good. she was great to work for. She really yeah. was. And uh, to go 
to go out to do, and I was doing stand-up comedy. <laughs> really? Yeah. And Because wow. uh, I had been fronting the band and with uh, Cal. And, yeah. uh, now, you went out to Hollywood to do that? or Well, I, I didn't have to do, go to Hollywood to do that. I'd made okay. enough connections. Uh, back when I was working with the Osmonds, we opened for travel with Merle Haggard for two years. Wow. And Merle's um, manager at that time, which nobody outside the business knew about, was a guy named Bob Eubanks. Really? <laughs> that had the newlywed yeah, game every yeah. day. Yeah. He was a hot commodity. Oh, yeah. And he oh, managed yeah. Merle, and he was with us every day. Wow. Didn't know that. And uh, got to know, got to be good friends with Bob, and his down-to-earth guy. You'd think he was from Texas. He wore cowboy boots yeah. and jeans, yeah. and he yeah. was just one of the guys. We actually, I worked at a radio station in Cleburne, Texas, mm -hmm. and uh, we had Bob Eubanks. Uh -huh. He at that time he was doing a traveling deal with his newlywed game, and uh -huh. he would go to mall to mall to mall, uh -huh. and he would do that. He came to the radio station, uh -huh. and you're right, he came in a pair of Wranglers and boots, sure. and it was so funny because he sat back in the chair there. Uh, the morning guy was going to interview him. Uh -huh. He just threw his boots up on the counter, and he, <laughs> he sat there like, "Okay, you know, I'm ready to whatever yeah. you want." He was just one of the guys. Yeah, he and James Brolin, the actor were very good buddies. They had a business together. They raised thoroughbred horses. So he was a horse guy. Mm -hmm. So he loved Texas and loved horses. And uh, so that's what he, what the deal was. But he'd managed Merle. And uh, he also had been, way before he even started doing anything like that, he was a promoter, mm -hmm. music promoter, when he was still really doing... Mm -hmm game shows and stuff like that from Hollywood. Mm -hmm. And uh, well, where did you, uh, I mean, you, they didn't have comedy clubs back then. Really? I don't guess. Yeah. Well, they, yeah, they had a, quite a few of them. Really? And, yeah. And Is that uh, what year, you did, what year would this have been? Eighties? This would have been 83. Yeah. Okay. 80, 82. You know, a lot of holiday ends had a, had a stage for comedians. I remember over in Bryan College Station where yeah. I was at at the time. They that's had a, right. a deal there. They brought people in. Yeah, go ahead. Well, they had, that's, that's all right. They had, there was a lot of comedy clubs around, you know. It, well, it, it, it wasn't what it, kind of like bluegrass being around, mm -hmm. kind of hovered back here, you know, all those years and then finally come to the forefront. Mm -hmm. The comedy seems kind of the same way. Because there's all those guys that became, you know, that got into movies, got all their start as comedy, mm -hmm. stand-up comics. Stand -up, yeah. And that's why they were so good at being actors. Mm -hmm. And you can start, you know, and, and so I got to be friends with all the big-name guys. And uh, But Bob's, he had a, a, like, he wasn't an assistant, he wasn't a partner, the guy... I'm drawing a blank right now. It's been so many years ago. Uh, I, 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 my Rolodex is flipping. I'm trying to remember <laughs> names. But Bob's, he had an agency. Yeah. And they booked me, you know, for a while. I remember when I first brought it up because they had egged me on when we would travel because I would, you know, we're out there working. We got to, we have to entertain ourselves. You know, we're just like everybody else. We get mm -hmm. tired. We get tired of ourselves. So, <laughs> you know, and so guys would ag me on to do certain things, you know, and, 
And it was good for me because I could work material out and stuff like that. And yeah. just passing the time and cutting up and things like that. And Now, did you do some of this on the stage when you were yeah. bass playing? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Did some routines on okay. yeah. yeah. And that's where a lot of times, because what I would do, I had a certain way of, of breaking in new material. I would never tell anybody that I was going to do something. I just, they were just spots in the show where I was expected to do things because I wrote everybody I ever worked with where we did comedy. I wrote all of the stuff. And okay. Well, Dennis, we are, we are out of time. So I just want to say thanks again for coming back. Uh, it, it has been a real uh, pleasure meeting with you, for sure. Same here. Yeah. Enjoy it. So, yeah. So, folks, we'll see you all on another one. Adios. Thanks for listening to The Big Show with Andy Gallo and Country Jim. This has been a Unicap Media presentation.